Galatians 6, verse 11 to 18. And as usual, I know that you'll find it helpful to have your copies of Scripture open and to be reading along there with me in the Bible. Before we do, would you go with me praying to our God for his help and strength and blessing on the preaching of the word this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you refresh us and you refresh our souls as the early and the latter rain that you come down, that you that you give times of refreshing. And our Father, we long for those times of refreshing. Oftentimes our hearts feel shut up and cold and weighed down and we pray that today would be one of those times that you send your spirit and pour him out and refresh us on our pilgrimage to our city that you have built for us. So God, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word, that Christ would be heard, that Christ would be seen, that Christ would be exalted. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be drawn to you, for you have said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And so, Lord Jesus, do that great work of drawing sinners to yourself and to you and to an everlasting home with you. We pray that you would bless the preaching and the hearing of this word. Remove all distractions. Give both the one that preaches and those that hear grace to receive it and to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 6, beginning with verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, even upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me to trouble. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Well, this week I um, was in an automobile accident. It was my fault. I gladly accepted it as my fault. But what was interesting is uh, the woman that I hit was a professing Christian, and we began talking about um, what church she went to, what church I was a pastor of. And in the course of our conversation, she told me that her son was a professor of theology at a seminary I've heard of, not a very well-known seminary, but that she was so proud of him. And she stopped and she said, you know, I just feel like I need to pat myself on the back for that, just for having a little something to do with that. And I thought, isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous that, that a person who would profess faith in Jesus, who would know that everything is by grace and the working of God and through the death of Jesus and his saving mercy and coming out and getting sinners, would speak boastfully about have something to do with her son being in ministry and being a seminary professor. Now, lest I'm too hard on this woman, there are many times, many times that we have boasted about things. Many times we have said things boastfully about ourselves, our accomplishments, our achievements, things that we have bragged about, even subtly. Many times I have boasted subtly about my achievements in conversations 
putting yourself above others, boasting in something that you've done, and in that sense, forgetting, forgetting, forgetting that the Christian has nothing to boast in except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgetting that for the believer, the cross is all his glory. The cross is everything for the Christian. And what the Apostle Paul, as he closes this great epistle to the Galatians, is doing is he's bringing us back and he's saying, this is it. This is the thing. The cross of our Lord Jesus, all of his saving work, this is the thing. And if anyone moves you away from it, if anyone adds to it, if anyone says, yes, you need Christ and something else that you have forgotten, and the test, the test is the test of what we boast in. I think it's interesting that Paul ends this sort of giving us the litmus test for our own hearts about where we are, what we're trusting in, what we're boasting and glorying in. And so this morning we're going to see three things. First, we're going to see the motivation of the Judaizers. The Judaizers were that troubling group that were coming in, perverting the gospel that Paul's writing this against. We're going to see the motivation of these legalists who are adding to the work of Christ. And then we're going to see the motivation of the Christian. And then we're going to see the benediction that Paul places upon those who boast in the cross. The motivation of the legalist, the motivation of the Christian, and the benediction on believers. And so notice in the first place that Paul says in verse 11, see with what large letters I am writing you with your own hand. Now, there's no small dispute about what Paul means here. Many commentators have said, well, is he talking about the length of the book of Galatians? It's a long letter. I took a lot of time to write this. Is he talking about the actual letters, the Greek letters that he would have written it in, that they were big letters and they were written boldly? And, and most commentators agree that it's probably the latter, that Paul probably had bad eyesight. Paul is, has been beaten terribly. Uh, Paul, remember, was blinded on the Damascus Road. Paul has had all kinds of afflictions affect him, probably had bad eyesight. Paul probably had a secretary helping him pen this, what they call an amanuensis, someone that's writing down what he's saying to write down. Paul speaks of that elsewhere. But Paul says here that he has taken the time to write in large letters, in big letters, and probably writing both because of his eyesight and, interestingly, to emphasize, just like we would do, just like if you wrote an email to someone and you wanted to emphasize something and they couldn't hear your voice, so you would capitalize everything. And when someone does that to me, I know that they're mad at me. They are capitalized. They are emphasizing something very clearly in large capital letters. Paul is probably in one part saying, listen, the Judaizers are boasting. They're boasting in your flesh. They're boasting in how many circumcisions they had. They're boasting in how many... Judaic converts they had made. They're boasting in external rituals, ceremonial laws. And Paul's saying, let me, let me outshout them, as it were, with big letters, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul reminds them, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. And then he says in verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised, see the motivation. And the motivation is, is everything. In all of religion, motivation is everything. Why we do what we do is everything. Remember, Jesus oftentimes railed at the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees tithed, they gave, they prayed, they read their Bibles, they went to the synagogue, they went through all of the religious rituals, but they did it to be seen by men. 
And our Lord Jesus constantly, constantly railed against those who were doing what they were doing to be seen by men. If what we do is to be seen by men, if reputation is what drives us, if a desire to be thought well of and spoken well of and talked about and praised and admired and, and be seen as successful and be seen as religious and be seen as a good person, if that's what our motivation is, Jesus condemns that, Paul condemns it because there can be no boasting There can be no boasting except in the cross for sinners that know that they are undeserving and under the wrath of God by nature. But the Judaizers wanted to make a good show in the flesh. They would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, you may say, how do I put that together? On the one hand, Paul says they want to boast about you and your flesh and, you know, we could do this today. How many baptisms we have? How many people we've mentored? How much we've done? How many people, how big our church is? How many people we've preached to? We can do that. We can boast on any level of anything that we do. They wanted to boast in the flesh of these, these Gentile converts. They wanted to put that mark of circumcision and bring them under the law. But Paul says there was something even behind that. He says there was something behind that, and that was fear of persecution for the cross. The cross of Jesus, and when Paul uses that term, he he obviously means the totality of Jesus' humiliation, the totality of who Jesus is and what he does at Calvary and the resurrection. The the cross um, elicits a response. There is, there is no one that can stand before the message of Christ crucified and not respond either by being offended or by glorying in it. The cross is the litmus test. The cross reveals what's in your heart. How much you love to hear about that, how much it offends you. Every unbeliever is offended by the message of the cross. Um, recently I was out with a few of you and we met some guys and started witnessing and talking to them. And we could argue philosophy And we could argue from an apologetic standpoint. We could argue rationalistic arguments. We could win arguments all night long with the guys we were talking to. But until I said to them, we believe that Jesus is the only way, and if we don't trust in him, we will perish. Until I said that, everything was fine. As soon as I said it, the guy said, I want to punch you in your face. Because the cross elicits opposition. The cross is an offense to the natural man. The natural man doesn't like the cross. The natural man doesn't want to hear about the cross. The cross says that he's weak. The cross says there's nothing he can do. The cross says that God had to do it all. The cross says that we deserve judgment and wrath and hell and God's curse and that we're under a curse and that Christ was cursed there. The cross says all those things. The believer loves hearing those things. The unbeliever hates hearing it. And the cross brings persecution. The cross inevitably brings persecution. Now, I sometimes marvel at how surprised we are in America, at the mild persecution we're seeing, the mild rejections of Christianity we're seeing. Our brothers and sisters throughout the world, they know know the offense of the cross. They know the persecution that the cross brings. There is a a well-known Christian singer in Eritrea, and she has constantly been captured by the Eritrean government, thrown into a metal box in 130 degree, whether beaten, mocked, um, starved. This happens constantly. This is not an isolated occasion. We should expect it. And Paul tells us, look, the Judaizers, just wanting to add a little something to Christ, was wanting to take away the persecution. They didn't want to be persecuted. They didn't want people to hate them. You know, the number one reason I think true believers, true Christians, 
don't witness more is because we don't want to be persecuted. I'm talking about true Christians, people whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. I think the number one reason we don't witness more is because we know the opposition that we inevitably are going to get. All you have to do is start talking about the gospel anywhere, and you will experience that. And so Paul says the motivation of the Judaizers was to boast in the flesh of some, some of these false converts and bring them into some legalistic um, system of salvation in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And then, notice what Paul says. Their motivation actually leads to a frustrating legalism. Because he says in verse 13, he's summing up everything that the book has said, and he says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desired to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. You see, the irony was they were putting themselves under the ceremonial laws and the, the, the mosaic laws for salvation, for justification, acceptance with God. And Paul says that they don't even keep the law. They just want to boast in your flesh. God demands perfect obedience. Perfect, 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 perfect obedience to his commandments. And they didn't keep the law. So why were they trying to bring others under a system that couldn't be kept because they wanted to boast in their flesh? Now, I think... I think that there is a danger in this for all of us. I've said that throughout this series. If you're sitting there and you think, well, I don't do that and I'd never do that, beware. We, we can be moved away from Christ and our motivations can be for religious acceptance, acknowledgement. I, I, you all know I use social media a lot. I Twitter a lot. I Facebook a lot. Um, I sometimes ask myself, am I putting these statements about Christ out here to edify people or to direct to me? You see, our hearts are deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, the Bible says. And so we must always be asking the question, what is my motivation? What am I glorying in? The false teachers were glorifying and glorying in themselves and in others and in earthly things. We could even glory. Let me say this. Let me say this clearly. First of all, I, as your pastor, want you to read the Bible memorize the Bible, meditate on the Bible, love the Bible, speak scripture, but you can boast in your reading of the Bible. You can boast in your prayer life. You can boast. You can become self-confident. You can stop trusting Christ and be using the evangelical ceremonies. We can do that in worship even. Evangelical, there's a danger. Jesus warned his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He was speaking to the twelve. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So, this test, what the example of the Judaizers is to help us say, what are we boasting in? Am I boasting in something in addition to Christ? Notice what Joel Beakey says um, about the futility now of this. He says, as soon as you add something to Christ, you get yourself into the never enough quagmire. As soon as you add something to Christ, you get yourself into the never enough quagmire. You will then inevitably be seeking to do more, build yourself up more, try harder, try to do more, try to be more socially active, try to do more good things. Try to, try to, as soon as you take your eyes off of Jesus and you are not boasting in his cross, you put yourself into the never enough quagmire. Now let me secondly bring us in. That was the motivation of the Judaizers. Now the motivation of the Christian. Notice what Paul says in verse 14 with that contrasting, but, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. Paul is inevitably summing up, he's essentially summing up the whole letter in verses 14 and 15. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything but a new creature, a new creation. Paul is summing up everything he has said. Turn back to 2.20. Turn back to those great verses in Galatians 2.20 where the apostle makes that great statement, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul sees the totality of the Christian religion in the message of Christ crucified. He sees justification in Christ crucified. He sees sanctification in our union with Christ crucified. He sees every eternal purpose of God, every blessing of salvation in Christ crucified. He sees in Christ and in his saving work everything that's necessary for the entire life of the Christian, for this life and for the life to come. And so Paul understands the overwhelming centrality, the overwhelming sufficiency of the cross of Christ. Now, I think we oftentimes can say, yeah, 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 I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. But in our hearts, we really don't believe that. That's why we have a portion of scripture like this to draw us back, to say, do we boast in the cross? Do we glory in it? Is it our chief joy? Or do we get sidetracked with some other good but secondary doctrinal distinction listen you you all know me you know I have a lot of doctrinal distinctions but I don't want to glory or boast in anything but the cross we want our focus to be on Christ and him crucified the same apostle said I determined I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified he had a self-determination he had the purpose in himself I am not going to boast in glory in exalt anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified the central work of the atonement now if the great apostle Paul if the great apostle Paul with all of his accomplishments I haven't even planted one church you're part of my first church plant. I haven't even planted one church. Paul planted the first churches all around the world. And if the great apostle Paul could say, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, I most certainly should be able to say that. And you most certainly should be able to say that. If, the great, if a man as great as Paul could say what he said in these verses, then we should be able to say it too. Now notice what Paul says. He, he first puts on it that that strong assertion, maybe your Bible say, may it never be, uh, it's me geneto in the Greek, but far be from me, far be it from me, or God forbid, or may it never be. Paul is saying emphatically, may God never let me move away from the message of the cross and in glorying in anything else. He is, in a sense, committing his determination to the Lord. He is saying, and in saying that, he is saying it's possible to be moved away from that. He is saying it's actually possible for people to move away and glory in other things. Um, and so there's a, a determination. And then he says, he says, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, why does, the Paul, why does Paul introduce the world? Paul's been dealing with Judaizers in the church. 
So his main opposition has been false teachers in the walls of the church, in the visible church. Why then does Paul say the world? Why does he bring the world in? Well, I think the apostle sees that the, the cross doesn't just solve the problem of legalism in the church. What it actually does is it consecrates. The cross consecrates believers to God from the world. Um, let, me, let me put it this way. Paul has a double crucifixion here. Notice in the text. Notice verse 14. He says, By the cross, verse 14, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's a double crucifixion. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now what Paul's saying is that when Jesus died, we died as believers in union with him. He is our representative. When he died, we died. We died to the power of the world. We died to the sway of Satan and the dominion of Satan. We died to sin, not just in time when we repented, but in the death of Jesus. We died. Listen, this is one of the keys, one of the secrets to the Christian life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I was crucified. The body of flesh was done away with. It was crucified in the death of Jesus. Our union with Jesus. Our union with the Savior at Calvary. When he died, we died. You were there being represented by him. He came to represent us. The power, the dominion of sin and the world and Satan was broken at the cross. That's Romans 6. That's what Paul says in Romans 6. But, Paul is now saying, here's this double crucifixion. The world's crucified to me and I to the world. Listen to what William still says. We like to think of the double crucifixion envisaged here in theatrical terms. There stand the world and there, there stand I and between us stands the cross. Viewed from the world's side, I am crossed out because branded with that hateful cross, the world has no time for me. Viewed from my side, the world is crossed out for through my faith in Christ's death, I have also died to the world so that I and the world are agreed on one thing and one only. Listen, I and the world are agreed on one thing and one only, that through Christ we have equally and mutually no time for each other. That is a beautiful statement. I have been crucified to the world. The world has been crucified to me so that I and the world have one thing that we share in common. We have no time for each other through Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we're not to be in the world trying to reach people for Christ. It doesn't mean that. We don't get from this some kind of secondary separation, some kind of legalistic separation. But what Paul is saying is the world with its evil fallen influences does not have part in our life. We have been consecrated. We have died. We have died to what we were bound to and held by, the sway of the world. Listen, for 24 years of my life, I was in bondage to the sway of the world. I know what it is to be worldly. I know what it is to live in the world. I know what it is to know the attractions of the world, and I know what it is to be crucified with Christ to the world and the world to me. It doesn't mean we never struggle with sin. It doesn't mean there's no attraction to the world. What Paul's saying is the cross is the great solution to freeing us out of the world and bringing us, reconciling us into the presence of God. The whole life of sanctification is built on this. If, if you want to grow in grace, if you want to grow, if you're a true Christian, I hope you want to grow. If you want to grow in grace, boast in the cross, know what happened at the cross, Remember what Jesus did at the cross. Remember what you are. Remember why you need the cross. Remember that the world has been crucified to you and you in the world. 
In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in Romans 6. He says, how can we live in sin? We died with Christ. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. Paul actually says, preach the gospel to yourself. That's what he's saying. Preach This verse is meant for us to preach the gospel to ourselves. And so Paul goes on and he says, the world has been crucified to me, I to the world, for neither circumcision counts anything nor uncircumcision. Basically, it's not external. It's nothing external. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither being a Jew nor being a Gentile nor any other external distinction, but a new creature. Men in this world do not need to shape up. Men in this world do not need to stop sinning and be better. They need to become new creatures in Jesus. You do not need to shape up if you're not in Jesus. You need to die with him and you need to become a new creature. Let me say that as emphatically as I can. Men do not need to shape up and get better. They need to die and become new creatures. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying the only thing that matters is were you raised with him to newness of life, part of the new creation? Has your old, filthy, black heart been taken and has he given you a heart of flesh? Now, I remember Ani Zaka. He is an um, Egyptian... Christian apologist to Muslims and has a really great ministry in Philadelphia and I heard him at a dinner many years ago and Ani Zaka said, you know, many people will say you've got to give Jesus your heart. Jesus wants your heart. He said, Jesus doesn't want your filthy black heart. Jesus wants to take that and give you a new heart. He wants to give you a heart of flesh. He wants to give you a heart that loves him and knows him. He doesn't want a dead, unregenerate heart. He will take that and he will make you a new creature. That's the doctrine of regeneration. He will bring you from death to life. And, and once that happens, you know what you'll boast in? The cross. Once that happens to you, you will want to boast in the cross. Because you'll know that he's given you a new heart, made you a new creature. That's what men need. That's the only thing Paul says that matters. He says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. They don't matter. But a new creature, a new creation And then notice what he says in verse 16. I love this. He says, As many as walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. What rule? He hasn't given a rule. He hasn't said to do anything. Paul hasn't given one commandment here. The rule is, be a new creation. The rule is, circumcision and uncircumcision don't mean anything, but being in union with Jesus, having died with him, having been buried with him, boasting in the cross, knowing that he has accomplished everything, everything, Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't understand why he's getting so worked up about this. I think I think it's because we forget. We forget. We forget. I'm preparing this sermon this week. I read theology all the time. I read my Bible all the time. And you know what? I forget. I forget. I find myself boasting in something I ought not be boasting in sinfully. And what God is doing is bringing us back And he's saying, listen, we've been crucified with him. He's brought us into a world of grace. He's brought us through the cross into a world of grace. And he's brought you into newness of life with Christ in the presence of God to live for him. And he's saying, that's the rule. Walk according to that rule. Walk according to the gospel. Walk according to what Christ has done. Walk according to the reality of what Jesus Christ has accomplished at Calvary and in his resurrection. And then Paul says, to everybody that does that, peace and mercy be on them. Why did he say that? Because the Judaizers were troubling the Gentile converts who should have had peace and mercy in the cross. If you want peace and mercy, 
If you want peace in your heart, if you want rest from your sin and the burdens of life, walk according to this rule. Boast in the cross. The only thing that matters is a new creation. And then Paul says, notice in the benediction now, he does something unusual. There's two parts, verse 17 and 18, the benediction finally. He says in verse 17, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, if anybody could say Paul was cantankerous, um, it would merely be because of this epistle, because Paul takes very seriously the gospel. If you want to get under Paul's skin, if you really want to get Paul riled up, try to pervert the gospel. That's the one thing that really riles Paul up so much so that at the beginning of the letter, he says, if anybody preaches another gospel than the one I preached to you, let him be accursed. And in case somebody says, well, Paul, you're just speaking out of the heat of the moment, Paul says, no, again, I say to you, if anybody preaches another gospel than what I have preached to him, let him be accursed. And so at the end of this letter, Paul, because remember his ministry and the gospel that Christ had entrusted to him was being jeopardized. Paul says, listen, these Judaizers, they boast in you. They try to put a fleshly mark on you. I've got marks. I've got marks in my body. It's not circumcision. It's the beatings. It's the sufferings I've endured for this gospel. It's the persecution I've received because of what Jesus has done for me. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, let nobody cause me any more trouble. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul, it's stigmata. It's not what you think of with people's hands and feet that bleed. That's not biblical. It's, it's the marks, the stigmata. Paul was beaten. It's the whippings. It's the stonings. It's the bruisings. It's the eye eyesight loss that Paul endured. It's all that he endured for that cross. And he says, don't let anybody bother me because that is why I have these marks on me. And then he turns and in a marvelous, marvelous way, it's, it's really unexpected because all through the letter, Paul has been uncertain about where they've been. He's been uncertain about, do they really get the gospel? Are they being moved away? Are they adding to Christ? And so at the end, this is what, this is what he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Paul's heart, Paul's heart was that the churches would be established in the grace of God, that you would be established in the grace of God, that you would be able to boast in Christ, that you would be able to say, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let me read this last quote as we close. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, When a man like Paul glories in the cross, you can be sure that it's the biggest and the deepest and the profoundest thing in the whole universe. When a man like Paul glories in the cross, you can know that it's the biggest and the deepest and the profoundest thing in the whole universe. Is it the biggest and deepest and profoundest thing in your life? Is it your boast? Is it your glory? That is the question we ask as we end this series in the book of Galatians. May God help us that we would never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us such an amazing book. It's good for our souls. We need it. I need it. Your people need it here, Father. We collectively need to be brought to our Savior and the foot of the cross every day. Father, 
Forgive us for the times that we have boasted in our accomplishments. Forgive us for boasting in anything. Father, make us to be a people that boast only in what our Savior has done for us. Lord Jesus, we love you for loving us, for giving yourself for us, for breaking sin's power over us and the world's power and sway over us and Satan's dominion over us. We thank you that you have conquered those three great enemies in your death. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, we do not and would not add anything to you, but that we would have you as a complete Christ, an infinite, eternal Savior. Lord Jesus, unite us to yourself in unbreakable communion and fellowship. Make us to know your grace and mercy. Build up this congregation all the days of its life that it might be faithful to that message. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.